Legacy Podcasts present Torque, a novel by Ty Drago, performed for you by the author, and featuring music by Nicholas Allen Nelson. The 13th Cog. Ainsley chased after the Yancey boys as fast as her long skirt and laced leather boots would allow. Along the way, the owners of the open shops she passed looked on, some with open hostility, others with curiosity. Ainsley supposed that a lone upper girl chasing after a pair of presumed lower folk thieves had to make for a rare sight. Then, all around her, other sounds rose. Keeper whistles. Ainsley's stomach twisted. As much as she dreaded getting caught, her father's anger paled beside the Yancey boy's fate if Gammon's green-clad soldiers got a hold of them. Then, ahead of her, the twins suddenly vanished. Ainsley rushed up to the spot where she'd last seen the boys, searching frantically for some sign of them. The surrounding shops were all closed for the day, their drapes drawn and doors shut tight. Shouts behind her, more whistles. Suddenly, two sets of small hands reached out and grabbed her own. Gasping, Ainsley looked down into a pair of matching, earnest faces that peeked out through the flap of a nearby tent. Come on, one of them whispered. The Yancey boys dragged Ainsley into the merchant's tent. It was a cobbler's shop. Empty shoe racks lined the walls, their wares no doubt locked safely away. But the boys didn't give her time to notice much else before yanking her deeper inside, all the way to the back. Unfortunately, unlike the dressers, there was no handy exit flap. One of the twins produced a knife, except it wasn't a real knife, just a jagged length of metal with a flimsy bit of wrapped cloth for a handle but it proved sharp enough to make quick work of the tent fabric. Then they were through and into the next row of shops. Somewhere behind them, Keeper shouted, Where are they? Did anyone see where they went? All this, Ainsley thought, for sweetmeats. You hit them, one of the boys whispered as if reading her mind. His brother added, They get really pissed when you hit them. They pulled her across the aisle into another closed shop and then out another makeshift rear exit. This went on, keeping them a few steps ahead of their pursuers until they reached a closed pottery shop. There, with a final look around, the boys pulled Ainsley through an unlocked door. Inside, Ainsley spied a hatch cut into the iron floor. It stood open. No, she exclaimed, suddenly fearful. Wait a minute! Then a red-headed lower girl peeked over the lip of the hole. Ainsley recognized her immediately. Lucy Stamper. The lower girl took one look at the Yancey brothers and what they dragged in. Then, with an exasperated moan, she waved them down the hole. Ainsley balked. Her newly found quest for the truth had its limits, and getting pulled down into the mysterious lowers went way past them. Yet here was the lower girl she'd come to find. In the end, Ainsley went down that hatch because she knew not doing so would haunt her. But she needn't have worried. The hatch didn't lead to some warren of dark tunnels, but only a small kiln room beneath the pottery shop. Who are you? Lucy Stamper demanded. What happened up there? Chad got himself grabbed, Jerry explained. Liar, his brother insisted. You got yourself grabbed. Lucy sighed. Apparently, when in trouble, the brothers relied on their identical looks to confuse any issue. Forget it. Who's the upper lass? She helped me, said Jared, who immediately colored. Ha! his brother declared. Shut up, you two, Lucy snapped, or we'll all end up grabbed. Now... How'd she help you, exactly? She slammed the sweetmeats trader, Jad said. Lucy scowled at Ainsley. Ainsley muttered, Seemed like the right thing to do at the time. Means they'll tear the market up looking for us, the lower girl moaned. 
We'll have to hide down here all day. Lucy reached past her and pulled the hatch closed. Instantly, the tiny room darkened, the only light now coming from a few coals in the otherwise cold kiln. They cast a sickly orange glow. I've got a friend up there, Ainsley protested, and an escort. A keeper escort? Lucy remarked with a sneer. Hear that, Ludlings? We've been visited by a proper upper lady. Upper ladies don't slam traitors with their coin purses, Jared replied. Lucy eyed Ainsley. So, you've got a coin purse? Course she does, Jad added. Ainsley's heart sank. Now they'd rob her, beat her senseless, and leave her down here in this dimly lit hole. Relax, Lucy chuckled. You helped Jared. That means we won't swipe from you. Ainsley supposed this was meant to reassure her, and it did, sort of. I, she began, regrouped and tried again. I wanted to talk to you about Rand Roberts. At first they just looked at her. Then a tear, only one, rolled down Lucy Stamper's dirty cheek. I'm sorry, Ainsley said at once. Me too, Lucy replied. Us too, both the twins added, talking over each other. I saw you with him yesterday, Ainsley continued, treading carefully, watching Torque. Torque, Jad remarked wistfully. His brother added, they both went down the drop. I know, Ainsley told them. I saw it. And Rand saw you, Lucy remarked with an edge that it took Ainsley a moment to understand. Rand had been admiring her. And all the while, she'd been admiring Torque. He didn't even know me, Ainsley said. You three were his friends. Friends, Lucy echoed. That doesn't begin to say it. Rand and I found each other in the bowels when we were younger than these two. We were both alone, so we partnered up. Partnered up? Swapped skills. I taught him how to live in the machine. In return, he kept me safe from stainers and other dangers. You taught him how to live? You mean he didn't know? Lucy shrugged. I stopped trying to figure it out years ago. He learned fast. Rand always learned everything fast. But the point is, we partnered. He gave as good as he got. I didn't rear him or anything. The Ludlings came later. The Ludlings? Ainsley asked. She looked quizzically at the Yancey twins. I don't understand. Lucy's our mama, Jared announced. Your mother? But, Ainsley stammered at Lucy, you're too young. You can't be older than I am. The lower girl rolled her eyes. I'm their mama, not their mother. Their mother died in the factory, same as mine. Rand and I just found them and reared them. Now just me, I guess. Reared them like adopted? I don't ken what adopted means. Most folks in the lowers don't live past 30. That's long enough to have kids, but not long enough to raise them. So some of us step in, with the older bells rats looking after the younger. That's rearing. She's our mama, the same boy repeated, and Rand was our papa. Oh, Ainsley said. Don't strain your brain, Lucy told her, a little condescendingly. We loved him. That's all you need to ken, and now we've lost him. I'm so sorry, Ainsley said again, the words sounding stupid and utterly pointless. Even so, Lucy and the boys all nodded gratefully. Then Lucy said, But you didn't sick the keepers on yourself just to tell us that. No, Ainsley admitted. Then hesitantly she added, I... I'm trying to understand them. Rant and Torque. Jared said, Ken. The words Ken. Ken, Ainsley echoed. Then Jad chimed in, What's to Ken? They were heroes, both of them. 
His brother nodded in agreement. Lucy explained. Rand got into his head years ago that he was going to be his own kind of Torque. But while Torque came and went and always kept to the middle market, Rand patrolled the lowers and bowels. He'd looked for trouble, and when he found it, he'd put a stop to it. How? Ainsley asked. With his fists, the girl replied, and his brains. Not all of us have magic pipes that shoot steam and grease. Ainsley considered this. Then she asked, Why do you think he did what he did yesterday? Another tear traced Lucy's cheek. Ainsley suddenly felt awful about this whole business. What was the point of grilling this grieving? Call them what they were. Family. Why should I talk to you about it? The lower girl asked bitterly. Ainsley struggled for an answer. Reflexively, she nearly fell back on, Because I'm a journalist. But the lie wouldn't pass her lips. Not here. Not with them. So instead, she took a deep breath. Chai, forgive me, but these people reek and regrouped. I'm not trying to offend you, she said carefully, but what Rand did yesterday was the bravest thing I've ever seen. I guess I just wanted to understand to ken it. Again, they all regarded her in silence. Finally, Jad replied, Rand helped Torque because Torque was Torque and Rand was Rand. It's what Rand was about, Jared added. He saw his idol in trouble and rushed to his rescue, Lucy said. I doubt he even paused to think about it. He wouldn't have been Rand if he'd done anything else. As to why he decided to follow Torque down the drop, I'll spend the rest of my life wondering about that. Then Jared added, With both of them gone, things will get worse. Ainsley regarded the boy. Why? It was Jad who answered. Watching Torque making trouble, being free, made us free in a way. Yeah, Jared added. Lucy said, I've never really thought about it like that, but I guess the lings are right. With Torque gone, it's like the sun's gone. And with Rand gone, we've lost the moon and stars as well. The question was out before Ainsley could catch herself. Have any of you ever seen the sun, moon, or stars? The three lower children looked at her for the first time with something close to genuine dislike. What do you think? Lucy asked her. That was a really idiotic question, Ainsley added hastily. I apologize. The other girl looked stonily at her. Listen, Ainsley said, dreading this next part. There's something I have to tell you. You won't like it, but I think you've got a right to know. Then tell us, upper lady, Lucy replied dryly. We hang on your every word. Ainsley hesitated. Would it really help them to be told the grim reality about the lowest champion? Was popping that bubble cruel or kind? But then she decided that if these people whose lives were so utterly, miserably, tragically different from her own deserved anything, it was the truth. Torque, she began. Suddenly the hatch above her head tore open and a huge hand grabbed her by the hair, yanking her out. I found her, a giant of a keeper announced. A whole den of them, in fact. I told you I heard voices. The potter's booth was surrounded by at least a dozen keepers, the sweet meat trader among them. That's them, he declared triumphantly. The big keeper threw her to the ground as his fellows dragged Lucy and the twins out of the kiln room. Then all four of them were hauled into the middle of the open market row so that everyone around could have a good look. I'm sorry, Ainsley begged. I shouldn't have. Shut up, Balsrat, the keeper snapped. Then he slapped her. Ainsley hit the floor, stunned. It was the first time anyone had struck her in her life, and it jarred more than just her body. 
For a moment she lay stunned, pain burning one entire side of her face. Hold up, Kendall, one of the keepers said. Look at her. This is an upper lady. My ass she is, Kendall replied with a laugh. An upper lady wouldn't be holed up with three bowels rats. She's a piece of lower's trash and a stolen dress is all. We weren't doing anything, Lucy snapped. We don't even know this lass. Beside her, the twins clung to each other. Is that right? The tradesman sneered. Looked to me like you were all down there planning your next robbery. But nothing was stolen, Ainsley pointed out, regaining her wits. She sat up, her vision blurred by tears. The tradesman said, That's because I stopped you. You rats would have robbed me blind, as usual. But now that Torque's no longer around to cause trouble, maybe we can finally enjoy some law and order in the market. Ainsley suddenly understood why some of the shops were open today. It wasn't just economic necessity, as in the dresser's case. With this man and his ilk, it was celebration. Torque hadn't been everyone's hero. Some lower folk, those with a degree of affluence, had seen him as a troublemaker and were glad he'd gone down the drop. They didn't know anything. Which one actually robbed you? Kendall asked the merchant, glaring darkly at the cowering twins. I don't know, he admitted. They're a match set. Never mind then, we'll just whip them both. No, Ainsley exclaimed. You can't. Kendall yanked her roughly to her feet and pressed a dagger to her cheek. Next time you tell me what I can't or can't do, I'll take one of your eyes. Ainsley gaped at him in horror. She's the one who hit me, the tradesman said smugly. With what? Kendall asked. Ainsley watched the tradesman struggle for an answer. After all, she'd smacked him with her coin purse, her full coin purse. But Balzrats didn't carry coin purses, did they? So it wouldn't help his cause to admit it. Don't know, he said finally. A blackjack of some kind. I hit him with my purse, Ainsley snapped, fumbling it out of the folds of her dress. Kendall ripped it away from her. Looks like you've had a busy morning. We'll have to find out who had their purse cut. Then with a grin, he added, after we count out some coin for our time in trouble. That's mine, Ainsley protested. But Kendall squeezed her arm so hard that she cried out in fresh pain. You four are going to the market center for flogging. Ten lashes each should do it. Ainsley gasped. What? No. No? Then you'll have twenty, upper lady. And after that, you'll all take a ride up in the lift. Won't that be nice? Except there won't be time to see the sights. It's the keep for you, and from there to the end of a rope. The Yanceys wail as the keepers pried them apart and dragged the four of them through the rows of stalls and past the gathered onlookers. The market center was only a short walk away. It was a small open area where a half-dozen metal poles had been erected, each with manacles mounted right into them. Ainsley had seen them before, of course. Once she'd even witnessed a lower man being whipped. An awful sight. At the time, a keeper had assured her that the criminal had attacked an innocent shopkeeper. She remembered being quietly pleased that justice was being done. But hadn't she just committed the same crime? Please, she told Keeper Kendall as he roughly manacled her. My father's wealthy. We can work this out. Hear that? He called to the others. This one's father's an upper lord. Beside her, Lucy and the Ancy boys were being similarly trussed. The twins were sobbing, but their mama only stared blankly forward, her eyes dull with resignation. It struck Ainsley that Lucy Stamper had probably always assumed that this would be the path of her life. She'd be flogged for nothing and thrown away into the workhouses or the keep. She was a bowels rat, after all. Listen to me, Ainsley begged as Kendall pulled the chain and lifted her up onto her toes. My father's August Pinkerton, the owner of the watch. There, it was out. Her father would be furious. 
but if it would save Rand's family, then any punishment would be worth it. The keepers laughed. Ainsley flushed. It's true. My friend and our keeper escort are around here somewhere. They laughed harder. Kendall took the whip from his belt. I'm going to shred your pretty stolen clothes, upper lady, and your skin with them. He stepped back and told the others, I'll do Lady Pinkerton first. It's a slow day today. We've got plenty of time. The keepers let out a grand cheer. Ainsley squeezed her eyes shut. Twenty lashes, Kendall called, and here's one. As she waited for the bite of the whip, Ainsley felt herself gripped by a strange sense of unreality. This morning she'd woken up in her own bed, warm and safe. In the world she knew, had always known, innocent people weren't whipped for no reason. But this wasn't her world. This was the real world. And in a second, she'd ken a whole new meaning for pain. There came a sudden bizarre whoosh of hot wind, followed by the sound of feet hitting the metal ground. An instant later, moist steam surrounded her. Twisting, Ainsley looked over her shoulder. Torque stood behind her. The lower's champion had somehow placed himself between her and Kendall, the end of the keeper's whip caught in one fist. You! Kendall exclaimed, rage and disbelief in his voice. Me, Torque said. Then he pulled the whip, yanking the big keeper off balance. As Kendall stumbled forward, his free arm pinwheeling, Torque clubbed the man with his pipe. The keeper went down, hard. He writhed on the floor, groaning piteously while the others looked on in astonishment. Torque seemed bigger than Ainsley remembered, somewhat more broad-shouldered inside his gilded armor. Taller, too. To her already overtaxed mind, it was surreal, like a vision in a dream. It can't be him, one of the keepers exclaimed. Another yelled, I don't care either way. Take him. With his back to the whipping posts, Torque raised his pipe and turned in a half-circle, firing steam. The nearest of the keepers screamed and fled, blinded and clutching their scalded faces. Meanwhile, Kendall, having somewhat recovered himself, struggled to rise. Torque absently hit him again, the golden pipe connecting loudly with the big man's skull. This time he stayed down. The remaining keepers, five of them, went for their pistols. Torque charged them, driving his fist into one man's jaw and dropping him hard. At the same time, he slammed his pipe into another man's midsection, and when he doubled over, kicked his hip, sending him crashing into a third. Both toppled to the floor. The fourth keeper took aim with his pistol, point blank. Torque went up. A fresh jet of steam, this one directed at the market floor, propelled the lower's champion roofward. The keeper raised his gun but lost his target as hot steam overwhelmed him. The gilded figure landed behind the gunman, locked his forearm around the keeper's neck, and flipped him head over heels before driving him down with terrific force. As the keeper hit the floor, his pistol discharged, loud and close. For a horrible instant, Ainsley thought Torque might have been shot again, but the bullet went wild, ricocheting off one of the metal whipping posts just above Lucy's head before heading harmlessly out over the drop. Lucy flinched, but didn't utter a sound. Tork whirled around to see one last keeper coming at him, his saber drawn. The lowest champion met him, pipe in hand. For a few seconds, they actually dueled, metal striking metal like a hammer and anvil. Thrusts and parries, high-low and then high again. Finally, Tork dodged a hasty slash and drove his pipe into the keeper's diaphragm, doubling him over. Gasping, the man sank to his knees before receiving a kick that audibly broke his nose. He collapsed with a phlegmy wail, clutching at his mangled face. Torque turned in the circle, his pipe at the ready. Only the tradesman remained, standing amidst the fallen keepers, his face pale with fear. Starving lings, Torque said to him. The man didn't reply. 
Starving lings, Torque repeated. What? the tradesman asked. In the lowers, Torque said, approaching the trembling man. There are starving ludlings and lastlings, and your answer is to send them to the gallows? The man mustered his courage. I run a business, not a charity. Torque raised his pipe. The tradesman threw up his hands. Not the steam. No, not the steam. A spray of grease, as potent as a garden hose, doused the man. Gasping, he staggered back against one of the empty whipping poles. Some of the onlookers, mostly merchants, applauded. Apparently the sweetmeats trader wasn't well liked. Torque pulled him close. Starting today, you're going to offer up 10% of your wares to any ling who asks, every day, forever. If you don't, then I'll make sure you don't have wares, or a shop for that matter. 10%, the man exclaimed. You're crazy. Did I say 10? Torque told him, his voice low and dangerous. I meant 15. No, ten's fine. Happy to oblige. Stay put. Stepping away from the cowering man, the lowers champion wordlessly freed the twins, Lucy and Ainsley. The Yancey boys rubbed at their wrists, their small faces studying their savior with awestruck fascination. Lucy seemed more considerate, as if Torque wasn't a hero to be worshipped so much as a puzzle to be solved. Torque said, Go and get your sweetmeats. As many as you want. They'll be free to you for the day. Then he glanced back at the tradesman. Solid? Solid, the lower man replied, sounding defeated. Torque went to Ainsley, who'd slid down to the market floor, her back against the whipping pole. Along the way, he took her coin purse back from the unconscious Kendall. This is yours, he said, offering it. Are you hurt? Hurt? That didn't even begin to describe it. In her mind, she kept seeing Lucy Stamper's empty eyes as her fate was sealed. Incredibly, those eyes and their meaning felt even more terrible than the near whipping. I'm all right, Ainsley said. Keep the coin. Your people need it more than I do. Solid, he said, but I brought my own. What? He produced a pouch from inside his armor and tossed it to Lucy. Spread this around the lowers, he told her. The lower girl looked inside, her eyes widening with surprise. The twins huddled around her. One of the twins, Ainsley couldn't tell which, gasped, We're rich! It's not just for you, Torque said, not unkindly. It's for everybody. Lucy nodded and pocketed the pouch. She still hadn't spoken since the rescue. Her eyes returned to Torque, who fidgeted and turned back to Ainsley. He offered his gilded hand to her and she took it, letting him lift her to her feet. He was strong, very strong. Then she noticed his eyes. Brown, deep brown, not Stuart's eyes at all. Who are you? she asked. The question seemed to surprise him. I'm Torque, he replied. But you're different. Who are you? Your friend's looking for you. So's that young keeper who came with you in the lift. He pointed in a specific direction. Three, maybe four rows that way. You'd find them and go home. Then, before she could reply, Torque stepped back, nodded to everyone, and fired a jet of steam that carried him upward and out of sight. For half a minute, no one spoke. The tradesman looked red-faced with consternation. The keepers groaned and writhed on the market floor. At last, one of the Yanceys raised his fists upward and yelled, Torque! Torque! his brother echoed. Torque! the small crowd answered. Torque! Lucy said, a thoughtful frown on her face. And Ainsley thought, Torque? The Fourteenth Cog as Rand touched down on the deserted factory rooftop amidst a billowing cloud of vapor, he noted with satisfaction that steam vaulting was getting easier. The first few times he'd tried Torque's signature move, he'd flown face-first into a wall. 
but after practicing half the night, he'd eventually gotten the knack. Nevertheless, I'm bad at this, he told No Name, who stood right where Rand had left him. You did great, Ludling replied. I let that keeper get a shot off. No harm done. It almost hit Lucy. But it didn't. And you ended up beating him and a dozen of his friends. So what? I could slam a hundred keepers, but if one innocent gets shot along the way, then I'm a failure. Rand removed his mask and wiped his brow. I wanted to dead that Lud, the one who fired. Then why didn't you? Are you saying I should have? Seems to me like one less keeper in the machine's a good thing. Rand regarded the Ludling. The more time they spent together, the weirder he got. No Name was young, definitely young, but he was something more than young, too. No Name could spout philosophy in one breath and then gape with innocent fascination at a pocket watch. They'd found one among Torx's, old Torx's belongings, a rare treasure. Inside it, there'd been no picture, though Rand noticed that Ainsley's photograph fit the space perfectly. Later on, he said, I should find that Ainsley lass again, tell her how Torx felt about her, and give her the picture he carried. Why didn't you do it just now? the Ludling asked. Too many people around. Like Lucy and the twins? Yeah. I can see how that might have gotten awkward. But even if you can somehow get yourself alone with that upper lass, don't you think it'll still be pretty awkward? What, with you being Torque and all? Unless you're going to tell her everything. Rain considered that. I can't. Good, No Name said. Good? Means I get to keep the watch. Rand laughed. You're amazing. Do you know that? Says the Lud who can fly. No mystery there. It's just mech and practice. Anyone could be Torque. Anyone with no fear of heights, No Name said. Well, yeah. Anyone tough enough to fight armed keepers. Yeah. Anyone strong enough to hold the pipe when they steam vault. I guess. Now it was No Name's turn to laugh. So, anyone could be Torque, huh? Rand ignored this and gazed out over the middle market. Already things were settling down after the near whipping and Torque's reappearance, but the tale would spread. By tonight, half the lowers would know that their champion had returned. By morning, the other half. I should go down deeper, Rand remarked. Torque always kept in the middle market, but the real trouble's in the black and the bowels. Do the keepers go there? No Name asked. The black? Sometimes, when they can find it, but the bowels? Never. Then why bother? Because it's not just about the keepers. Remember those standers? There's plenty of them in the deeper levels. Then there's the factories to consider. He pointed down at the gearbox beneath their feet. Folks die here all the time. In fact, it's where most of the real deading in the lowers actually happens. Oh, No Name replied, noncommittally. But first, I've got to learn to be a better torque. No Name pinned him with one of his unsettlingly mature looks. You are torque. I told you, not if I keep letting innocent folks get shot at. You're torque, for good and all. Rand hadn't a clue how to respond to that, so he didn't. Instead, he sat on the rooftop's edge and continued looking out over the middle market. Do you think anyone recognized you? No Name asked. The twins didn't, Rand replied. I disguised my voice. Besides, all they really saw was the mask and the pipe. They saw Torque. But Lucy... His words trailed off. As No Name sat down beside him, his short legs dangling over the lip, Rand eyed the Ludling nervously. If he slipped and fell, then Rand would have to reach him before he hit the floor of the knot nearly a hundred feet below. Rand honestly wasn't sure if he was that good with the pipe. Yet. Do you think Lucy suspects? No Name asked. Not sure, but there was a strange look on her face, like she was trying to figure me out. 
And what about the upper lass? She knows I'm not the torque she saw yesterday. You could just tell them both the truth. Rand shook his head. I thought you kenned this. If word gets out that Rand Roberts is torque, then all my friends become targets. I can't risk that. So, you'll just let Lucy think you're dead? I don't see another way. No Name nodded gravely. Thanks. For what? For sharing your secret with me. Rand replied, What can I say? I like having you around. Then, a little to his surprise, he found that he meant it. The Ludling positively beamed. Torque and Ainsley Reconnect in Episode 6 of Torque by Ty Drago. The full novel is available in paperback and ebook formats on Amazon.com. Thanks for listening.